you know, with the background at, at Podcast Motor, we've been working with content creators a lot and really technical folks that understand the all the nuts and bolts of it really well. And I think one of the simple things we've done is brought on a producer in-house that one works with some of our clients. We have kind of a small professional services arm that, you know, does editing and production and stuff like that. And now have a, a creative person that works with customers. And that's the person that's creating the show for us. Podcast Junkies, episode 262. That's 262 episodes of this show going on year eight. It's crazy when you look back and think about all that time. I'm your host, Harry Duran. New listeners, welcome to the show. If you're just discovering us for the first time, this is the one where we seek out interesting voices in podcasting and get them to talk a little bit about themselves and what else is going on in their lives. And we had a great conversation just like that with Alex Sanfilippo. He's the founder of Podmatch and host of the Creating a Brand podcast. Alex and I have been getting to know each other a little bit better as I've been following his journey as a SaaS founder with the work he's doing at Podmatch. And I had the pleasure of just figuring out what uh, makes him tick and what keeps him motivated. Really inspiring, really fun conversation. We laughed a lot. If you haven't heard that one, please check it out. Episode 262. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash focus right, and the link will be in the show notes as well. This week, continuing the trend of founders, I get to speak to Craig Hewitt, host of Seeking Scale, and also the founder of Castos. If you're not familiar with Castos, it's a full-service podcast hosting distribution and analytics platform and helps podcasters easily create, promote, and distribute their shows. Craig joins us to discuss his mission to help brands create impactful podcasts for their audiences. And he's also the co-host of Seeking Scale, a podcast about scaling a profitable SaaS business. In this episode, we talk about Craig's passion for launching and growing profitable and sustainable businesses, and he speaks to some of the work he's doing at Castos, including content creation and a podcast they recently acquired. I won't give too many details about it. I'll let you listen in, but it's a fascinating story, and it's helpful for something to think about for you as a podcast creator. How would you create a show that was interesting enough for someone to think about partnering with you or actually acquiring it? Craig shares the founding story of Castos and how he's built a team and how he's grown as a founder and podcaster and the incredible relationships he's forged in the podcasting community. Regular listeners will no doubt know that I love to talk shop with fellow podcasting peeps, and this is a great opportunity to do that with Craig. Don't forget, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. The hopper's a little empty right now, and I'm excited to read some of these out on the episode. So do send one in if that's been on your to-do list. I'm always testing out new platforms to engage with the community. So I'm going to create a new page called podcastjunkies.com forward slash community. And it'll currently list out the places where we're having conversations about the show, Facebook groups, a new app I'm testing out called Bunches, and any others which may appear in the future. So best place to go is podcastjunkies.com forward slash community to join the conversation. Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But let's get into the origin story of Castos with Craig. So Craig Hewitt, 
founder of Castos and co-host of Seek and Scale. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Yeah, thanks for having me, Harry. So prior to uh, Castos, you had founded Podcast Motor as well. Yeah, I've and been kind of in the podcasting business, you know, it's like six or seven years, which is like forever in podcasting years, I feel like. And how long were you a connoisseur of podcasts before you decided to build a business? <laughs> Two or three podcasting. years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a lot of folks, I guess, like was a big consumer of podcasts and then started my own podcast and saw, oh my gosh, this is a hassle, right? It's like, oh my gosh, all this stuff to edit and show notes and uploading and sure. folks figuring out what they want to do. And that's kind of where Podcast Motor came from. Was the intent with Podcast Motor when you started it to just scratch your own niche? Or did you feel like this was something that would have a, some some legs and it's something you wanted to expand to other podcasters? Yeah, definitely the latter. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was a very typical like scrappy bootstrap nights and weekends thing for me for quite a while. I was doing the editing, I was doing the writing, got my wife involved for a while, and then we made enough money to be able to hire you know, our first editors and writers and stuff like that. And it just grew kind of organically like that, which is, you know, I think a nice thing about like when you start a business on the side is there's less pressure than like, I'm going to quit my job today and start my new company tomorrow. And I got to figure out how to pay rent at the end of the month. That's crazy to me. I think, you know, the slow kind of progression into it is a little more sane. What was the nine to five at the time? I was in sales. So I did like medical equipment sales to hospitals. So totally different. How long were you in that industry? Six years. That's, that's all I'd ever done. So yeah, I went from that to podcasting and podcast hosting and stuff. And so it's two different lives for sure. <laughs> are the people that are, you know, do you have relationships that you maintain from people in that, uh, like the medical supplies industry that have kind of been watching your journey since then? I don't know. It's sad, but no. Yeah. And so was that the time when you were listening to the podcasts when you were doing that? Yeah. Job? Cause I was in like, you know, field sales. So I was in the car all day and, you know, listening to Pat Flynn and Tropical NBA guys and all this. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I could totally do this. I could totally make money. And of course, just like everybody, you know, I had a bunch of stuff that didn't even get off the ground, a bunch of terrible ideas. And then, you know, this one, you know, Podcast Motor was just really, you know, a productized service or an agency kind of model is so good because you just put up a WordPress site and you connect it to Stripe and you start making money and figure out how to fulfill the services. And that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember hearing about podcast motor. Cause I think we're in the same space around the same time. I started podcast junkies in 2014 and then about, I was working with a business coach and that's where I came up with my idea for full cast, which is our full service done for you agency along the same lines. And, uh, I actually, went to New Media Expo in January of 2014. And that's where I saw Pat Flynn, Amy Porterfield, Cliff Ravenscraft. I was listening to Tropical MBA as well. <laughs> and then the guys who did the Nomadic Entrepreneur, what was that name of that? Because I've interviewed a couple of people from that program, but that was one of my first masterminds that I joined. Uh, the name escapes me for a second. Don't come back to me. I was listening to all these entrepreneurs and they were like living in Bali and they were just like, oh yeah, remote businesses, no problem. And I, like you, just got the idea to start all these like rando businesses, you know, prior to even starting Podcast Chunkies. I started a, a, a service called Aboutification where I would write your about section for you. <laughs> I sold one at $100. I think to Dan Norris, who went on, or one of the guys. So yeah, same circles, but it's, they light a fire under under you as well. And everyone's got their their copy of four hour work week in their back pocket as well. Sure. And so all these yeah. things are, <laughs> all these things are, are making us all feel like we can get things done. 
Yeah, I mean, I say on like the podcast that I run with Andy is, you know, it's our responsibility a little bit, you know, kind of like you with this show to be honest about what you talk about. Because, you know, I think to some extent, like we're all influencers to somebody else and people are listening to us and, you know, we are the Pat Flynn to somebody, right? And so people are listening to what we have to say. And and if you're spouting all this stuff that's just garbage and not realistic, you can influence somebody to make a, a poor decision in their life. And so like, I try to carry a lot of weight with what I say, like for me personally to say, like, I want to represent, you know, kind of who I am and what I do and what I believe in an honest way, because like, you know, people have families and people are making decisions about their careers and their lives to maybe some very small extent based on what we all have to say. And so I think that's just an important thing. Was there a moment when you realized like your voice or things you were saying were resonating with other folks? Yeah, it was going to conferences for the first time since like my original podcast really kind of got off the ground and you'd go and you, oh, hey, I know you, I listened to your show and, all this, and you're like, whoa, like, that's crazy. I mean, you know, like getting emails from folks who listen to the show is like the best thing ever. And so like yeah, yeah, listeners to the show send Harry an email, like he wants to hear from you even if he doesn't say it, like, cause it's the best thing. Even if it's something you've talked about a hundred times or you have no idea what the answer is, like, it's just great to hear from listeners to say like, I'm interested in what you're saying. They have questions. You can be helpful. Like all of that is just great. What was the inspiration for starting Seeking Scale, the show you're hosting with uh, Andy Baldacci? Is that right? Yeah. That? Yeah. So, you know, in the entrepreneurial space, there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of people talking about kind of like zero to one, right? Like quit your job, go make 10 grand a month, which is super hard. And there's just a lot of content out there. And Andy and I kind of are at similar spots in our kind of business lives where we're not there. We're fortunate enough to be kind of past that. But looking at like, how do you go from like, you know, mid six figure to mid seven or eight figure businesses. And so it's kind of that next step, you know, so it's not just getting the initial traction, your first 10 or hundred customers. It's like, how do you go from this business that has a team of four or five people to 30 or, you know, hundred or whatever. And so trying to have a, again, like a really honest as transparent as we can make it conversation about that is kind of the inspiration for the show because we just didn't see another one out there like that. What are you up to now in terms of episodes? Gosh, yeah. So it's pretty new. I think we're about seven or eight months into it. We've done it almost every week. So 50 episodes or 40, 40 episodes or so. Looking back, what have you learned at now that the episode 50 mark that uh, you probably wish you had known at one or two? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about for this podcast, but then like I have another podcast, we have 250 episodes on. And then like with our podcast for Castos, which is called Audience, we're coming up on 60 episodes or 80 episodes or something like that. But I mean, I think just like with the new show, I think the thing that is amazing is we're still kind of finding our voice, which is weird to say that I've been podcasting like this long and I still don't know exactly like where to position myself or how to talk to the audience. But it's something that's so personal that I think it's a little bit tough, you know, like I, I want to share what I'm learning and where I am, but I, you know, I don't want to share things like my revenue or HR problems that we're having. And so like that really fine line of like, I want to talk about what's important, but I, I kind of, you know, and Andy and I have to generalize it a bit to be where folks can take general concepts away from what we're saying. So kind of walking that line is a little bit hard, but I think in general, that the challenge for me with like getting to that point, like where you are with this show, where you've done enough episodes to where it's like, okay, this is easy is like 
finding that alignment with kind of you and who you are and what you know and believe and are passionate about and your audience and what they know and believe and are passionate or scared about. It's a dynamic thing. You know, it changes over time. You've been doing the show for years, right? You know that it's it's not the same thing as it was at episode 50. But I think that's maybe the hardest thing is like keeping that alignment over time. How do you decide what to talk about? Is everything on seeking scale about the, you know, the challenges you're facing as a company owner? Yeah. Yep. Between the two of us. Yeah. And how much planning do you do for the topics? Sometimes, you know, a fair amount, like we'll have a Trello card or a Google doc or something like that, that we kind of scope out some, some points on, you know, a fair number of weeks, we just kind of show up and say, Hey, I want to talk about this thing that happened this week. And the other person says, cool, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's not much scripting that goes into it, which is fortunate because otherwise it would just take up too much time. <laughs> as you know, and right? yeah, yeah, of course. Now, I think you mentioned something about just having like a routine or something that you know to expect as you start doing this year over year. But I think I think there's a, a bit of a challenge there as podcast host to also not relax too much because you don't want the quality of the show to suffer. You want to make sure that you're just as excited to talk to guest 100 or 200 or coming up on 300 as you are, you know, to, you know, give them all the same attention because I think regular listeners will probably realize and call you out on it. The fact that if you do let it slip or you just start to get too relaxed, then it just becomes like the two dudes in the basement podcast, which everyone's, you know, they're not a fan of. Um, something I, I heard recently on Twitter was to when you think about the content of your show, that every minute of your podcast should be actionable. And I, that one's been like ringing in my head recently. I'm just like, so I'm actively thinking about the listener in this conversation. Like, are they learning either something from when you're speaking or when I'm speaking? So it's been something that's top of mind for me recently. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that for us, what we try to do is have like takeaways that people can go do something with, you know? And so like, maybe it's the same in this is like, how does a podcaster think about their podcast and what can almost all listeners take and go implement to make their show better? And we try to do that a little bit with, with our show, but, but about business, you know, Hey, we're facing this thing. We screwed up like this. Don't go do, don't, don't, you know, repeat the same mistake we made, or we learned this way to handle this problem or attack this situation everybody should be able to kind of take that away. So yeah. And I think that like, I mean, for me, the the person that does this so well is Steve Pratt, right? With Pacific content, just like oh, yeah. Steve just talks about like the story arc within an episode and across episodes within a podcast. And I mean, if folks don't know Pacific content and the folk and the work that they do and Steve, it's just like really amazing. Like it's just otherworldly from what I do, certainly, but I think they're kind of the model that a lot of us are striving towards. And he talks about the same thing. Like you see dropout after a certain point and they adjust the content of their shows based on like the, you know, the Apple analytics of like how long people are listening on a per episode basis. And to me, that's just like a whole nother level of craft. That's just amazing. Yeah. It feels like sometimes when I read that stuff, I'll just get like a, a little depressed. I'm like, man, I wish I had enough time to like really like laser focus. And now as an agency, the show, we produce shows for our clients. And I, of course, I want all my hosts to have that same rigor in terms of how they think about the content, how they think about their interviews. And, you know, it'd be a lot of handholding. And then I'd probably have to be charging <laughs> five times or 10 times more than what I do if I wanted to spend that much time with each one of those hosts. But I think it's something to aspire to. And there's always new folks coming out. Tanner Campbell, I think, is another guy that I follow on, on Medium. And he writes these incredibly like complex and detailed posts. And he's he owns a production agency as well. So lots of folks to admire in the space. But I think we're all sort of inspiring each other. And it's a bit of that rising tide and lifting all boats feeling is what I get as well. You want to talk a, bit, a little bit about the other shows you've got in production as well? For myself, like my shows? 
Yeah, well, no, the other shows you mentioned because you've got the the Castos show as well. Yeah, so so the first show we started at Castos, which was about a year and a half ago now, is called Audience. And so I did the first year's worth of episodes there, I guess, or not eight or nine months. And now Matt Maderos from our team, you know, runs the podcast and I kind of guest appear on it every once in a while, which is great to just be a guest on your own show. But the kind of the idea with audience is a lot of interviews with like kind of industry experts like yourselves talking about kind of what they're seeing in the space and, you know, some best practices there. We've had Steve on the show and then a little bit of kind of behind the scenes of what we're doing at Castos. You know, it's a way and a place for Matt and I predominantly, and he's had other folks from our team on the show to talk about what's going on at the company, what we see, what we think, what we're seeing in the future even. We just recorded an episode yesterday about, you know, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and their their paid subscriptions, you know, because there's just a lot to unpack there. We wrote a blog post about it, of course, but then like there's just so much to digest, whether you're a hosting platform like us or just a, you know, podcast host or a consumer, there's a lot to consume there. So yeah, that's been going for about a year and a half. And then we just acquired a podcast. We just announced it a few weeks ago called Three Clips by Jay Akunzo. So probably folks that listen to your show know Jay. Jay's, you know, just a really great podcaster and storyteller. And the Three Clips podcast is him taking three clips of a particular interesting podcast dissecting and digesting them and then interviewing the host of the show to talk about, you know, their creative process. And we look at the two podcasts, you know, audience and three clips as like audience is the kind of the nuts and bolts kind of blue collar. Like this is how to podcast. This is how to kind of get better at your show, monetize maybe. And then for folks who really want to move to that upper echelon of content creators, go listen to what Jay has to say, because he is you know, way better than Matt or I at, at crafting like a really great piece of content. So that's where our content is focused right now when we're going to be breaking ground on a another kind of original series here shortly, which you can kind of appreciate is like, we want to kind of like Pacific Content does. We want to like put our stamp on like, this is what a great podcast is. That's not related to podcasting, but just kind of general mass consumption. Everyone should enjoy it. And it's going to be, you know, a real narrative style podcast that will tell a story over, you know, a season. And we're really excited to, you know, put that out there as a brand to say, like, this is kind of who we are and what we can do. You know, one, hope everyone enjoys it. Two, folks want to, you know, work with us and kind of do something like this. This is, you know, kind of our virtual, you know, CV. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit with Matt on the audience podcast. And it's really interesting because as a podcast hosting company, and I'll probably come back around to the origins of that in a sec, but I'm curious about this idea of original content. When did Jay come on your radar with his show? And then to talk a little bit about your thought process in deciding to acquire his show and get into the content space. Yeah, so Jay has been on our radar for, gosh, almost a year. You know, frankly, like when Matt joined the team, he kind of introduced me to Jay and what Jay's doing. And I mean, the, you know, he and I talked about this on an episode of our podcast, but the real kind of essence of it is we want to be thought of and associated as like a premier content creator. You know, I think there's a term that says like every SaaS company or every company online is a media company these days. And, you know, we are, we have our own podcast and it, I think it's great for a certain kind of audience segment, but three clips and Jay represents like a whole nother audience segment that they quite frankly is like who our best customer could be. You know, the folks that are really into to Jay and his show and what he's talking about are 
really top level content creators. And the creator space is what drives our business and will continue into the future, you know? And so we just, we saw it as a chance to really align ourselves with that and that brand and that kind of identity. Working with Jay directly is amazing. Like he's just a fantastic person and a really great creator. And um, yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, it started as like, hey, what if we kind of, you know, do some marketing together or come on the podcast or something? And then, you know, I think it's great for us to be able to be in the position to support a creator to the extent that we are, you know, and that that's something that we're just really proud of. And as any creators that may be listening, when you think about that, and, you know, to the extent you can disclose any of that, those conversations, but I would imagine some of those revolved around, you know, Jay wondering, you know, does he mean control control over the podcast? Are you buying it? Are you buying the rights to it? You know, is he the host? All the, the intricacies, because as creators were like, well, that would be interesting for me to end up at someday. And I'm wondering, as people are listening, you know, they could be thinking about a way to build a show that would, you know, have that as its ultimate exit, I think. So any of the specifics of that you'd be able to share? Yeah, for sure. So I, I think Jay has not kind of shared specific numbers. So I won't kind of divulge those there, but kind of suffice to say, like, that there was kind of an upfront amount that we paid for the show and then kind of a retainer to, to keep Jay on as the host. And that'll be, that is the plan for as long as he will have us <laughs> just because he's fantastic at it. And that was very much a part of the strategy was we want to do nothing but kind of support the show. All the creative decision is still his. He runs some things by us at this point that are, you know, great. And I'm on board with, with all of it. And I think the worst thing we could do is, bring a super high quality show on like that and us mess it up somehow. And so that's like our first goal is not to do that. And so doing, I think most of what we're doing is nothing and just, you know, Jay's a professional. And so just letting him run with it. So that is, yeah, I mean, from a kind of like us managing the podcast perspective, that's kind of how it is. And the other one is someone who's out there thinking about building a podcast that they could then sell to another company. I think the thing that was most appealing to us with Jay show is the alignment. Like I talked about of like his message and his brand and the people that are attracted to his show and that listen are perfectly aligned with us and what we espouse to, you know, what we want to be. And I think it was a little aspirational from our end. And so I would just say the same thing is like, if folks are, you know, creating a podcast about podcasting or a podcast about marketing, you could think of, you know, a podcasting company or a marketing tech company as maybe a potential acquirer, and I think the other the other one there is like networks are another natural acquirer of podcasts. I haven't talked about this <laughs> at all, like publicly, but I can see us being kind of a network of podcasts in the future. And like we will expand those concentric circles out from like audience being the core to three clips being more about like the creative process to something to, to you know, support creators in general, you know, and then something that's more like mass mass market. I think they all just talk to our audience, you know, and that's, that's what we want to continue to is to support and whether we create those shows in house or whether we have folks who already have these great shows and they're wanting to, you know, get some return on all that sweat equity that they've built up and join the team. I, I think either way is a great option. What are your thoughts about all the noise being made, obviously with Apple subscriptions, Spotify subscriptions, which had an interesting twist. I saw someone write about the fact that they're actually opening up the Spotify subscription as an authentication engine. So if you have like a Substack following already, you can say, hey, by the way, subscribe to our show. It'll authenticate, I think, using OAuth without getting too geeky here, but I think it'll authenticate you, let you have that feed in Spotify. And then it's a pretty seamless process. 
there's no private RSS feed. So, and then they, they're not collecting anything the first year. And I think the second year, they're going to collect only 5%. So it seems like they're taking a different stance on it. So those are the two examples, but I'm following what's happening in podcasting 2.0 with the Bitcoin stuff. And so I, I set up my podcaster wallet the other day. So I, that's bleeding edge stuff. I was talking to Matt about that. So I'm wondering how you think about overall creator economy, compensation, and you know direct payments to creators all in one that's a big question. I think about it all the time. So it shouldn't be like a surprise. Anybody that goes to castles.com, like we have the term private podcasting, like as the headline on our site, like we believe very, very, very heavily in that private podcasting is the future of where our company is going. And I think a, a big part of the industry is going or maybe expanding to, right? Because there will always be, we we're talking about like radio before we started recording, like that's where podcasting came from, I feel like. And that's why ads have been the monetization method thus far. And I think the industry is just evolving from that, right? It comes from radio, you know, it's internet radio, right? It's coming from those roots and it's expanding and kind of diverging a little bit in certain ways. But I mean, private podcasting and the ability to directly get paid for your content is massive. You know, I look at the stuff from Apple and Spotify, even though it's competitive to things that we're actively building for people to be able to charge for their content directly within our platform, which is coming, you know, here by the summer. I think it's fantastic, right? Because it, it like it one, it validates that this is like a thing, right? A trillion dollar company investing the money to do this thing means that our little company <laughs> is like on the right path. And we've been talking about it for a while. So I feel like really validated there that like we're on the right path. I think that where it not falls short, but has some catches is a couple of things. Like one, it's you know, currently just on Apple and then it'll be just on Spotify. And as I understand, just on Spotify in the US. And so like these in like on Spotify, you have to, without like kind of the open platform you're talking about, you have to host it on Anchor to get it into Spotify. And all these, like all these things kind of just will make some podcasters say, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that. I also like, I want to know who's paying me for my podcast content, you know, like with Apple and Spotify, you're not going to get like a name or an email address. You can't send them a message to sell them your course or sell them your new t-shirt line or whatever. So like we've, we've really firmly believe that like the creator economy specific to podcasting is going to be driven by private podcasting. There will always be people that want to, to have ads and monetize their show that way. But the ability to ask people to raise their hand and say, Hey, I want access to this special thing is amazing. I think the easier way for a lot of people to make enough money to pay rent is not going to be directly selling their content on Apple and on Spotify, but directly on their own because you can do so much more with it, you know, because, you know, with Castos, we hook up with Zapier, right? So you can connect your email provider, your shopping cart, or your membership site, or your teachable thing to a private podcast. Like we see it already. We have some very, very big customers that are doing this. You know, they have a big membership site with 10,000 people on it and they're plugging all of those new people that come in into a private podcast. And like, you can appreciate, I mean, you've been in this kind of like online business world long enough, like those are real businesses and those are really sustainable. I think that there will be some people that are able to make enough money to pay rent with, you know, paid subscriptions to podcast only. But, and this is the reason as a company, we haven't gone, that we didn't go headfirst into this to begin with, is like that number is really tiny compared to the number of people that want to offer private podcasts to something else that's already going on in their world. 
It's a long answer, but that's how I think about it. <laughs> and do you think there's a critical number or threshold that podcasters need to hit? Because if you're getting a hundred downloads per episode versus a thousand versus ten thousand, you know, at what point, you know, I would imagine if you're just getting started, you don't want to alienate this new audience that you're trying to build. And by the way, like I'm a new podcaster, by the way, it's five dollars a month, <laughs> like crickets, nothing's gonna happen. So I don't know if you have enough data. Take a look at what you're seeing from a trends perspective. I don't. And I think that's the best part of it, you know, is it's so intimidating for like the CPM based model, right? Cost per thousand downloads for, for people to say like, oh, it's $25 CPM. Like, whoa, I'm going to make $25 from this like mildly successful podcast, right? Not, not mildly, like according to a lot of industry numbers, like very few podcasts get a thousand downloads yeah, yeah. an episode. But, you know, say you have a hundred people that'll pay you $10 a month. You know, like that's not as big of a lift or the gap between zero and that is much less, I think, than building a show that consistently gets a thousand downloads. And then you're talking about, you know, real money at that kind of level. So I almost look at it as the opposite that like the CPM ad model is one, just kind of old and just not appropriate for this medium, I think in a lot of ways. And that two people that are just getting started, or if they're super niche to where a thousand or 20,000 downloads an episode is just not achievable. They don't have to do that. And they, and they can make real money and support themselves and not have to sell out to advertisers to do it. So yeah, I'm pretty firmly. So yeah, I think that's, we're definitely in the same boat because we, since we, we build shows for clients, for business, primarily for business owners when we launch and I tell them from the beginning, I'm like, what's, you know, how is this podcast a part of your marketing funnel? And, you know, we, we really don't focus on the thousands of downloads because you're, you know, to your point, if you do the math on that, even 10,000, you know, let's say you do get the $250 a month, the thousand dollars, I mean, the, a week, the the thousand dollars a month, if it's a weekly show, no one's retiring on that. No one's leaving their nine to five on that. So we actually push them to get sponsors as early as possible. And they even put in the ad read in their show to say, hey, this episode is brought to you by my business. And so get people into the habit of like knowing that there's a call to action to engage. But at a smaller scale, I think what you're saying is really valid. And if they think about, hey, I don't need that many. And if it is 50 listeners, and if it's 100 listeners, I think the only one of the things that I think about is this fractionalization of or fracturing of like these individual payments that people have to now keep tabs of because gone are the days of like the cable bundling. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. $150 cable bill that has like your hundred and so channels in there as well. So now have to, there's a subscription for Disney. There's a subscription for Netflix for Showtime. Right. You know, for your Prime. Podcast, yeah. Yeah. podcast stuff. So I'm wondering if maybe there might be, just thinking out loud, if there's going to be some sort of model or, or maybe in the podcasting space, there's a mechanism to say, one central payment mechanism, or if you think just people are just going to connect through Stripe and just get their payments that way. Yeah. I mean, I think that from a platform perspective, if you look at the difference between Apple and Spotify, I think that's where Spotify already has an advantage is there's a bunch of people paying them some amount of money for access to the platform. And they could kind of easily say, okay, you know, for $10 more a month, you'll get access to all this tier one private podcast content. I think it just makes a lot of sense. Apple you know, on the other hand, like, oh, they have Apple TV. I don't know if anybody does that, right? Like we certainly don't, but like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think they could do a similar thing. Just say like, hey, here's a tier one price. It's $100 a year to get access to this whole like suite of private podcast content. I think that's possible. Yeah. But I mean, the, the one thing I wanted to touch on that you mentioned earlier is really important, I think, is 
like for monetization, like it doesn't have to be CPM. I, I trash like the CPM model because it's the easiest <laughs> to trash. But like this new podcast we're starting to work on, we will sell ads for and we will sell it for the whole series. And I think that's the, if you can pull that off, it's the way to go. If you sell it on the bundle of, you know, four or eight episodes or something like that, that's okay. But like Matt from our team sells sponsorships for his podcast and there are no analytics numbers given to sponsors. It's just, this is the value of my show. And if you want to pay for it, and this is, you know, who I talk to, and this is the alignment with your brand. And, and he sells people on the value of his show, not on any kind of listener or conversion kind of metrics. And I think that if, if you know that about yourself and the show and the people that you're approaching about sponsorship, you'll have a much easier job of, of selling sponsorship than yeah, waiting 20 episodes to get the numbers. And if you're over a thousand lessons and all this kind of stuff. And the other thing is you can just charge a lot more, you know, we're oh, going to, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're hoping to at least pay for the cost of the podcast. That's kind of the goal here in this first one. And it's not a cheap podcast to make. So how do you think about the growing the company and the team now that you're in the content space? Cause when you were just a podcast host, there's probably a lot of technical folks that need to get things done and keep the lights on. You start to get into the content game. It's a whole different skill set, different types of people you need to bring on board that understand this and know how to make a good show. So how do you think about that? Because it sounds like that's the step you're taking and that's where you're you're starting to grow. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with the background at, at Podcast Motor, we've been working with content creators a lot and really technical folks that understand the all the nuts and bolts of it really well. And I think one of the simple things we've done is brought on a producer in-house that one works with some of our clients. We have kind of a small professional services arm that you know does editing and production and stuff like that, and now have a, a creative person that works with customers. And that's the person that's creating the show for us. And so I think that's like from a people perspective, that's the easiest way is you know find a really talented person that loves doing this stuff and us just kind of get aligned on this is the goal and this is who it's for, enabling them to be able to go and run with it. I think, you know, if you're a brand and kind of content creation is not your bread and butter, that find somebody who is really great at it and enable them to to do it. And that's what we're trying to do. So just winding the clock back a little bit, as you were in that podcast motor, and then when did the idea for Casto start? And of all things to probably it seems like a natural transition, but there's a lot of folks doing podcast hosting, which is no secret to anyone. So why hosting? And how long did you think about that? Yeah. So it, it was really kind of serendipitous, I guess. So one of our customers at Podcast Motor sent me an email and said, Hey, Craig, there is this WordPress plugin called Seriously Simple Podcasting that is going to be for sale. The guy who built it, his name is Hugh Lashbrook, is taking a job at Automatic. He wants to kind of divest himself of all of his you know, side projects and he's looking to sell this plugin. At the time, Serious Assemble Podcasting was kind of a standalone free product. It, it still is free, but you can integrate it with Castos now. And I said, cool, that like I've been wanting to do a software project for a while. Turns out it's a lot harder than, you know, an agency or a product I service, but it was just a really great way to get a little bit of a foothold in the market, have a nice kind of acquisition channel in WordPress.org as a kind of distribution channel. And so we acquired the plugin as kind of how the, the company started and then built the hosting platform to connect with it. And for the first like six or eight months, that was the only way you could use what is now Castos. It was under another name at the time even. We kind of opened it up to where now you can use Castos as a standalone platform, like you would use, you know, simple cast or Libsyn or whatever, or you can use it to with your WordPress site to where you go and you create your post and upload your file, all that in WordPress, the files are 
uploaded directly to Castos, but you manage all of your podcast content and your workflow right from your WordPress dashboard. So that's kind of the the origin story of of the company. Did you know what you were getting into <laughs> in terms of the hosting game? And, and then what's been your experience as you started to connect? And have you had conversations with some of the other founders, some of the other hosts as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I definitely didn't know what I was getting into. Not a ton of like terrible surprises along the way, but but yeah, a lot of learning lessons. It's my first kind of real software product. And so a lot of lessons around how to how to build a good software product, how to work with developers there. And I've grown a lot as a founder. And yeah, stay in touch with a couple of other folks in the hosting space. I think we all try to keep some distance just because it's like a little unhealthy to talk too much. But yeah, I know several of them and kind of know of, you know, the rest. And yeah, it is an interesting space. I mean, I think to some extent, we're all trying to provide the same kind of thing for our clients. And I think the other side of that coin is we all think that the place we're going is different, which is kind of nice. So I think that a lot of companies are are focused on you know the ad model and and just distribution and stuff like that, and and we're trying very hard to to focus on private podcasting as the place where we stand in the market and folks that are interested in that hopefully kind of resonate with what we're doing. It's always fun to go to the conferences and see all the booths and all the podcasts. So they're all just you know they're all next to each other, and then when there's breaks, they're all just like talking to each other. So it, I mean. It is interesting, and I wonder if this has been your experience as well as you go to some of these conferences. At the end of the day, we're all sort of like the podcasting family, and there's people that have moved from <laughs> company to company as well. So I think for the most part, it feels like we all have the intent of making the experience for the podcaster as good as possible. And so it doesn't seem to be, as much as there is natural competitiveness, it doesn't seem to be overt, and I think we all seem to get along pretty well. Yeah, it's a great industry because, yeah, it is really new still. And so I think folks in it realize that we're all kind of figuring some of these things out as we go. And as, you know, platforms like Apple change the rules overnight, that we're all kind of in this and figuring out what does James Cridlin call it? Podcast Giddin or Podigiddin like that we're going through <laughs> right now, which is, I mean, yeah, I think it's really cool to be in an industry that where creators are the customers. I think it's for us, it's really great that our customers are creative people that like honing their craft and refining that over time, as opposed to like, you know, nothing against accountants, but like if accountants were my customers, it would just be a really different That's true, yeah. thing to wake up and be excited about every day. But, you know, the people that we serve are fantastic and that that's probably the best part of it all. Yeah. Shout out to the folks at Zero and FreshBooks and <laughs> who, and truth be told, that's one of the, my least favorite things to do and work on uh, the accounting part of my business. So there's people that do enjoy that. <laughs> so shout out to them. What do you think, just crystal ball in hand, like what's the future look like? Do you see more consolidation? Do you see just like people getting more laser focused and niching down and serving specific audiences? Yeah, I guess for the latter, I'm inclined to say yes, because that's what we're doing. You know, we're, we serve the creators, right? And we serve the creators and you can do kind of conventional podcasting or you can do private and now, you know, premium podcasting, which is what we call like paid subscriptions to private podcasts. But the goal there is just for us to enable our platform to allow creators to be successful in whatever they want to do. And I think that the other hosting providers will hopefully find kind of a similar thing that they focus on because otherwise, like, it's tough to stand out and it's tough to say like, hey, this is the one for this and this is the host for that. If you don't kind of stand for something, you stand for nothing. So yeah, I think that, you know, they all should be focusing on that and I hope that they do. 
from a consolidation perspective, I feel like there are a couple more big opportunities there, like Amazon maybe being the biggest one. You know, they got into the the distribution space last year and got to believe that they're looking at Apple and Spotify doing their thing and saying, hey, like, you know, they're obviously creating original content now, right? But there's a lot more to it that that they can do. Yeah. And then I think even some kind of adjacent spaces, you mentioned things like Substack. I think that the blurring of the lines between tools like Substack and podcasting, like you saw Wistia come out with podcast hosting last year, right? They're, they're a massive video hosting company, like a really premier top end video hosting company. Like there's no reason they shouldn't be in podcast hosting. I think the lines will continue to blur between some of those other MarTech companies and podcasting as it comes more mainstream. And I guess that's the thing I'm most excited about is like this thing from, you know, the announcement from Apple about, you know, subscriptions, paid subscriptions, Spotify generally kind of becoming such a powerful player in the market. All of that just like continues to level the playing field, you know, and brings more interest in outside dollars and fresh perspective into the industry. That's just super healthy. So it's not just Apple and two hosts, right? That, that like, that's just <laughs> yeah. stale, right? And at this point, yeah. like, there's a lot going on and sometimes it's stressful, but I think on the whole, it's really healthy for the industry. It feels like a good time to be in this space. And I remember in 2014, I felt like I was late. <laughs> I was like interviewing like Elsie Escobar and Gary Leland and all these like old school Rob Walsh. And I was like, oh, you know, and now it's, you know, there's just been these waves. And obviously, you know, the moment Apple put the put podcast on the iPhone, you know, Serial, Joe Rogan, there's like these still these exponential like waves of attention keep coming in and it's really interesting and exciting. And I think the measure of that is the more the topic of podcasts come into conversations with people that are outside our, our bubble, right? You <laughs> see it on the airplane, you see it like all these places and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is something I thought I was the only one that did this. I'm curious as someone who's come into podcasting from a separate industry, have you started to build relationships? Is there a relationship that you have with a mentor or someone that's helped you along the way? As a podcaster? Yeah, just as a podcaster, as a business owner as well. Yeah, I mean, on the latter, definitely would not be where I am today without a bunch of relationships that I've built. As a podcaster, I hate to say that I kind of have just figured it out on my own, but I have to a, to a fair extent. Yeah, but I think just in general, like you would be remiss not to say that, again, folks like Pat Flynn, who you know, really kind of pioneered a lot of this and brought it mainstream to the entrepreneurial crowd. They just deserve so much credit for showing folks in an authentic way, like what this is all about. And I think that they're to be commended for all the work they've done and almost all of it has been free, you know? And so it's just like amazing, this space that that people have so much knowledge. And you mentioned like Cliff Ravenscraft, like just giving so much of their knowledge away for free has been a big part of like the industry growing like it has, I think. And that's one of the coolest things about this space is like so many people are willing to hop on a call just to chat and help you with things. Yeah, it's definitely been consistent. And I think the interest or attraction or connection with folks like Pat and Cliff was the fact that sort of they're like everyday people who were learning it themselves and just, you know, a couple of years ahead of us and, and trying out a lot of different things. Cause I do remember I was working on a mobile app and I do remember listening to Pat Flynn <laughs> about, uh, you know, smart passive income. And, you know, once you start listening to one and you mentioned the tropical MBA folks as well. So if you're in that space early on, you start to, there weren't as many as there were now. Yeah, for sure. It's much easier to listen to podcasts as well. 
A couple of questions as, as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? Just a silly one. Like coronavirus is not almost over. Uh, I, I've been thinking it's been three months from being over for a long time, and I just think it's going to be here for a while. But I feel like we're not in the worst part anymore. How is it in your neck of the woods? It's okay. It's okay here. I live in France and it's okay. It's definitely been worse, but it was back in the US for the month of April, just about a month ago. And it's obviously like much more open there. Yeah. How was traveling? Great. There was nobody. Like you have to have tests and all this, but like the planes are all half full. It's fantastic. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? Oh man, that's a really good question. Gosh, I feel like I'm a pretty open book. So I hope there's not that's like much that's really misunderstood about me. I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but like, and maybe it's because like, you know, I've been podcasting so long that people think that like our business is bigger than it is, you know, like you can probably relate like, oh, you know, Harry, you must have 10,000 downloads an episode. And you're like, no, but you know, I have like my crowd and, and that's all I care about. So like, that's maybe that's it is like, I've had this show called Rogue Startups for like 260 something episodes. And we got like, 800 listeners an episode. And I am just tickled that like we have that many people that are interested in what Dave and I have to say every episode. And I think a lot of people think it's this huge, big thing that makes us a bunch of money and it's not. So, yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting, people always ask me about uh, something like why I keep doing the show. And now it's, it's really one of the best times of the day for me, like the hour that I get to connect and meet people in the industry. Like we think we'd be able to do this at a conference, but even if it was like even non-COVID, like you see people, like if I would see you in the hallway, we'd have it like a 15 minute hallway chat and there's so many other distractions or you need to get back to your booth or there's so much vying for our attention there. So I think I've come to just appreciate, especially now that a lot of it has been remote is just having that focused one-on-one -on -one time with someone to get to know someone, you know, for an hour long conversation is something that I just treasure. And now I just, I feel like I'll always have the podcast as that vehicle to say, Oh, I want to have a conversation with Craig, or I just want to have a talk to someone in a space. I haven't, we're a friend that I haven't talked to in podcasting for like three, four years or, or bringing back for another round. I don't know if you've found that with your shows as well, but it's just been a nice way to just continue to maintain those and build those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think it may sound a little selfish, but like you start out with the podcast kind of being about you and then it's about the audience. And then it kind of becomes about you again, like at a point where like, I like this. I mean, my show with Andy is that it's like therapy, you know, like we get on and we talk and I feel better at the end and hopefully everyone else enjoys it, but I'm kind of just happy to record. This is like the best part. Yeah. Well, Craig, I, I'm grateful that we got the chance to connect because it's like, it's one of those things that we're in the same circles, the podcasting circles, and I've even run into each other at conferences. And then, yeah, if, if you don't make the time to, to, deepen and, and build on those connections and you know years will go by and you're like oh why haven't we spoken before so it's this i feel like this is one of those conversations and yeah i'm excited to see what else is in store and you sort of like added another twist to just being a regular podcast host because now you're in the content game so it'd be interesting to see how that grows and the other challenges that you're going to have ahead of you with that so if folks want to connect with you personally is, is there a best place to do that uh, yeah. So, I mean, folks can email me just Craig at castos.com, castos.com if you want to check out what we're up to. And yeah, Harry's great to catch up. I'm sorry it's been so long. Yeah, I think we've known, known and known of each other for years. And I'm sorry that's taken this long to chat, but it's really great to catch up. Thank you. We'll have those links and all links to Castos and all the podcasts in the show notes as well. So thanks again, Craig, for your time. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again to Craig for coming on the show. I said it before and I'll say it again. I always appreciate when people take time out of their busy days to share their story and uh, let us get a sneak peek into their lives. And that's what makes these episodes so valuable for me and hopefully adding as much value for you. 
We take pride in the show notes we create for this show, and they're available for this episode at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 262. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil, my good friend George Aviana. Check out his full catalog at cedarsoil.com. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Focusrite, and their awesome line of gear. My favorite, the Scarlet 2i2 Pro. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. That's me. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Tune in next week for my conversation with the host of Podcast Pontifications himself, OG podcaster Evo Terra, back for round two on Podcast Junkies. And if you've made it this far, you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag. Let's go with Castos Craig and tag us at podcast underscore junkies and Craig at the Craig Hewitt. That's T-H-E-C-R-A-I-G-H-E-W-I-T-T. Thanks for all you do to support the show. Talk to you next week.